We are a resource for learners, including every member of the Livestrong Cancer Institute's on-track educational pipeline from middle school to residency. We are a growing collection of interviews, talks, and experiences that uncover the myths and the uncertainties of cancer and careers in cancer in order to empower and inspire generations of thinkers and leaders. This is Cancer Uncovered, an education and empowerment podcast by the Livestrong Cancer Institutes. Welcome back to Cancer Uncovered. I'm Okino Sorevia with the Livestrong Cancer Institute at the Dell Medical School here at the University of Texas at Austin and in the second part of our conversation with Mark Garza, the founder of the Flatwater Foundation, a nonprofit that provides mental health services to families impacted by cancer. We'll be covering the personal impact that his foundation has taken on our Caesars and also the future of the Flatwater Foundation. We hope you enjoy. Thank you. Thank you for going through the, the process and the, the founding of the organization. Uh, I've also been wondering, has, has there been any impacting stories of people accessing care with you guys? Has there been any ones that you find very memorable? Yeah, that's a great question. The neat thing about what we do, you know, we talk about anonymity and HIPAA, et cetera. And so unfortunately, a lot of what we do is privatized for the protection of health information, which in our country is obviously a very important thing. We have to balance that it's not about something to be embarrassed because like, you know, for so long, it's like, it's, we're not hiding this. This isn't, a, you're not anonymous because it's embarrassing. You're anonymous because it's, you know, because it's the law. <laughs> and like, we, we, we have to protect your information. Yeah. Um, really early on, the cool story that was over like, probably 10 years ago that really sticks with me, there's two that stick with me. We get cards and emails and stuff all along, and 90% of them say that I would not be here if it wasn't for Flatwater. Mm-hmm. I would, and that's pretty heavy. That weighs on me a lot. I'm yeah. emotional right here. That like we hear very, very often that you saved my life, or I would not be here today. Mm-hmm. Um, we even film some testimonials when people say, "Hey, I want to tell my story," and that comes up almost always. Mm-hmm. So that there's that. It will always stick with me. We're doing this interview, and she she shares with me that she. Um, has struggled with this cancer and with everything she's going with her life for so long, but she never got care and she didn't get care because if she was to go get help, she would be deemed ineligible for the work that she does because of uh, going to counseling and that on her record and having the therapy and counseling on her record would have been a sort of a strike against her for her mental, for the job that she does. Mm -hmm. And so she was prioritizing her livelihood, her work, her, her income. Wow. And eventually, after seeing and watching what Flatwater does and learning about us and then kind of getting closer to the organization and, and feeling the importance through our message, she went for it. It was like, I'm going to do this. And she told me that the craziest thing about this is that Flatwater is not because of these HIPAA protections for the organization we put in place, we were less effective, some would say, for data mining and, you know, maybe ethics and a lot of those things that I think are incredibly important in our our vision. But early on, it was cool because she said, y'all were de-identifying me in your system, so I didn't exist in your system and I could go see my therapist privately and it wasn't like an EAP or something else. So your organization came along and just said, 
forget about the other stuff. Let's just get this person in care. This one person, it'll never, I'll never forget. And so she was like, that convinced me I'm going to go get help. Mm. But after doing it for a couple of sessions, it occurred to me that this is more important than anything in my life. Mm. And I left my job because I wanted to tell them I am doing this for myself and I'm getting better Mm -hmm. and I am a better person for it. And if that means that I can't do my job, then I can't do my job Mm -hmm. for me to decide. She was saying like that was for her to decide Mm -hmm. that she needed to step away from it, not her employer, because she was getting stronger. To me, the whole message, you know, about the therapy is for the strong. Mm. the only way to see somebody as sort of unfit to accomplish what they're working to do, whether it's their employment or anything else is that they're not taking care of themselves. Yeah. yeah. And so that's just it. That's that was that those are systems that are in place to say like, well, you're unfit because you're not taking care of your mental health and seeing a therapist. Oh, you're seeing a therapist. You're sick. And then we do have a small equine therapy program. that's very limited, but it works very well for families that families in particular, and that, that, that talk therapy doesn't really work. So we built a partnership that we created, but it's now now located out in, in Driftwood. But we are able, through Wonders and Worries and some of our other partners, to find some people that, that need help and send them there. And one family was, I mean, cool. they're all, you know, three women, three yeah. generations of women. And the grandma and the daughter were there for the mom. The mom was cancer, had a cancer diagnosis and they were going to the equine. And you never get on a horse. It's energy work. It's oh. equine assisted therapy. There's not riding. It's not riding therapy. It's yeah. just energy work. Anyway, she passed away. The mom, the middle woman, the middle generation, the mom passed away. And the family chose to have the, her life celebration, her remembrance in the pen with the horses. <laughs> I know. Wow. Um, uh, and celebrate. And they said it was just the greatest celebration of life. They, I'll never forget the story of them blowing up balloons and having them ready to go. And they wanted to release these balloons for the mom and do everything. Mm. And they went to go. They blew up the balloons and tied them up. And they were ready to go and release the balloons. And they started laughing so hard because they were just blew up the balloons. They didn't use helium. And the balloons just kind of floated <laughs> away. And they were so – there's such a great illustration of, like, so many things going on when we lose sure. – yeah. A family member to forget that helium is why the balloon goes up. But it was um, it was a blessing because they laughed and laughed and laughed oh, and had the greatest time. And I will oh, never I forget it. that story mm-hmm. in this one, you know, of, of like I said, 50, 55,000 hours and thousands and thousands of people that we've helped. Um, so, cool. so thank you for asking that. It was a long answer, but. No, I love it. Awesome. It was beautiful. Thank you. Yeah. Um, Based on your experience with cancer and Flatwater Foundation, what advice would you give to student listeners that are interested in pursuing healthcare as a career? Sure. I think that anybody and everybody that's thinking about healthcare, not just as a career per se, especially as a career, but just in general, as a, as a part of our lives, I think we all need to be thinking about what works and what doesn't. Mm-hmm. And I think that I touched upon that a little bit, just general life and, and also our own business and our own organization. But also as you're growing and going into a career, there's so much opportunity and there's so much sort of white space out there. And there's also so much great research and stuff established. So in all of those spaces, we have to look at what's working, what's not working and try to be a part of improving and making things better. Mm-hmm. Because so much is done because it's always been done. Mm. That's the way we do it. Yep. And so much has been accomplished 
by us, by Flatwater. We've done things that need to be better in general. There's nothing that's not a negative. But if we have more and more leaders and more and more doctors thinking about what the problems are, how can we effectively create better outcomes by prioritizing stuff that might not have been prioritized in the past? There are no rules against how we help people. There are only standards that we have set. Mm. So I think this, if, if we can get people thinking about how to break molds, how financial models from the past, how insurance, it could, doesn't even be healthcare. It could, you could be in insurance, you could be in medical device, you could be just in general. But I think that that's, that's the best approach I can, the best advice I could, I could maybe give. I don't know if it's advice so much as a hope <laughs> yeah, that's no, good. One thing I wanted to make sure to touch on too, and you and I talked about this kind of in our pre-discussion for this, but it really stuck with me that you saw a need, you saw a gap, you took action to sort of, not sort of, to fill that gap. But um, this stuck with me in our interview before was taking action is not a substitution for taking care of yourself and working through grief. Do you mind sort of sharing with us, like, how do you, do, yeah. how do you take care, how have yeah. you taken care well, of yourself in all of this? You brought up a perfect, um, uh, a perfect opportunity to discuss something we brought up, which was um, failing. Mm. Yes. Um, <laughs> uh, being okay with failing. And I failed at that. Like, you know, it was, it's funny because you start with it with the problem and then you see the solution. Oh my gosh, this mental health, this therapy has changed my mind. It's really, I, I say it saved my life. It put my life in a new perspective and yeah. a new path um, that, than what I was in. But I think honestly, that's one of the things that um, I've learned moving forward uh, in life and that can share with others. So they don't have to go through it. Mm. You know, like this, I, I started Flatwater because they didn't want people to have to go through what I went through. Mm. Now running Flatwater, I also have then, probably prioritize the work, um, the work, the needs of the, of the, of the people of making the organization better. And then we're hit with this pandemic, for example. Mm -hmm. And I don't think I was prepared enough like the rest of the world to prioritize myself. Mm -hmm. And so I was so buried into what the organization was doing and the needs of it and how we were no longer able to put so many people into care because of many reasons, yes, people practicing, people don't want to go virtual, they need to see somebody, but they can't. Yeah. Um, and then people couldn't go into cancer centers. Yeah. yeah. It, so now we're getting stage four diagnoses. Mm -hmm. So now it was more and more, I was getting emails, more and more emails of like, this isn't good. You know, this is no longer stage one and you know, two where everybody's at stage four because yeah. they haven't gone into the oncologist for two years. So I didn't really for a while um, do that. And it, all it did was teach me how, how important it is to prioritize one's self. It comes down to, I felt, I felt like quite a hypocrite, right? Like I felt, and I don't say that to like pity and self-pity, but I felt like that I was able to see you started this because the caregivers are a big focus of what Flatwater does. We don't just take care of people that have cancer. Right. It's like my mom, right? People would say, how's your dad? How's your dad? Great. My mom is, you know, my yeah. mom's going down a big path yeah. that like we don't want to see. And she got help and she got better. And not everybody can do that. Yeah. But 
I then became sort of in my head this caregiver because we created this care program for all these people and I wasn't prioritizing myself because I wanted to be sure everybody was getting care. Yeah. I was, uh, I was through my actions, I was participating in that same thing. Mm. You know, you're always talking about the importance of mental health. You have to remember that it's not about for other people. It's your own mental health. Yeah. And if I'm not there to do this, if our staff isn't there to do this, we need to prioritize our own lives and the times we spend with our kids and our family. And so within the organization, the number one thing when we with staff and hire, I'm also HR. You, you're a lot of things. <laughs> so, yes, sir. <laughs> so from an HR perspective, we joke about the family first and do work on your time when you need to do the work because yeah. failure is not doing the work. But yeah. Failure is also not being there for your family and being there for, for, for the team. So to me, self-care is that's how we take care of it. It's reminding one another, but also each other that like doing to do, get to that soccer game, get to your mm-hmm. kid's recital, yeah. do the work when you need to do the work. And if we aren't trying to make ourselves fully engaged and happy, finding happiness, we're not going to be good at, at helping others. Yeah. Um, so and I got back into back into care and you know counseling and um, also you know blood panels and making sure that my organs are functioning well and doing wellness scans and stuff that I'm yeah. fortunate enough to be able to do um, to watch my own health because right. uh, because of this daily reminder. So I want to go back to advice for for students. Uh, please, I, lo- I love yes. that. <laughs> So you, you came from a marketing background, mm-hmm. and I, I'm just wondering, did you ever see yourself working in anything like this? Did Never. You, you had to leave that and no, face I, new things. but I think uh, that's a really good question. I did not growing up, um, and then going through college. You know, I was fortunate enough to to go to the school that I wanted to go to school and enjoy my time in college, and then work in New York City and work in San Francisco, and I started a company. Um, my own company, I was 23 and I moved to Europe and I lived in Spain for a couple of years and it was about experience and business. And, you know, like I said, I had parents who were like, you, you just write your ticket, create your reality, create your, you get one chance at this life. Yeah. There are no do-overs. And I was not setting out to start a nonprofit to run a nonprofit. Never. But what I was trying to do was know that if you're called, feel called to do something and you feel it in you, you know, for me, whether you're a spiritual person or very religious or you're just very driven by whatever motivates you for me, you know, it, it was this, this notion to, to feel that call, to follow it, right? Like this is a purpose and people yeah. look and look and look for a purpose. And um, it found me, I always say. And so to me, like I wanted to do the work that I was called to do on this earth, serve others. Um, and it was not something I set out to do, but the power of, of the call to say this is your purpose and then figuring it all out. It was like the seas parted and it was like, here's the vision, here's your path and we have to do this. And I also did not intend for it to be such a coping mechanism. It became very much like 
you're a hard worker. You know how to do this. You can raise money. I would, I thought I could raise money. I didn't know. <laughs> you can do events, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, use all that stuff. But I buried my head so hard into it that I also didn't give myself time to grieve mm. and deal with what was happening. And a decade goes by and you still don't deal with it. You know, well, he was given, my dad was given eight months to live and he lived for about three and a half years after that. Mm. And so we were given extra time and cancer can at times give us that, the opportunity to spend time with these people if we'll take it. Yeah. Um, uh, you know, I think heart attacks and car accidents and stuff that happen very quick and their death is all terrible. Um, but I did not take that time and, uh, because I was using the actions as sort of a mechanism to cope. Mm -hmm. And, uh, and I think that's important as well is that we realize like, are we, what are, what are the, what are the motivations for what we're doing and how can we make sure they're pure and they align with our goals and our needs? And it took me 12 years. Like I'm at that point now, Mm -hmm. 2022 reflecting on that. So I know that that's a little bit off from sort of where we started with the question, but it, I was reminded in answering that, that like this isn't, I wasn't setting out to do it and I was kind of feeling the power and I did want to do, you know, sort of, I did want to do God's work and, and figure out what I needed to do, but I also maybe anything in excess can be such a danger. And I think excessively I poured myself into it. Um, and uh, we have to be careful. With students listening or people that are thinking about it, we have to really be careful. Like, it's one thing to be super driven and go all in, um, but at what cost? At what cost, for sure. So, this has been incredible. Um, yeah, and we're, I talk a lot, sorry. No, it's it's, it's all fine. so great. Yeah. <laughs> Flatwater Foundation is a nonprofit started in Austin, Texas, that was created. Um, you know, our tagline now is therapy in the wake of cancer. We do fundraising events on the water because you got to break through the clutter of a city like Austin who has 10,000 uh, physical events going on. We use the water. Tyler's Damn That Cancer was a paddleboarding event that raises you know over a million for us now but it was just me on a couch being told my dad was going to die thinking oh no and realizing that at the exact same time I got a paddleboard and I got on a paddleboard and I was on Ladybird Lake before you could rent a paddleboard there was mm. nobody paddleboarding with me <laughs> I didn't know that there was going to be 600 paddleboards 10 years later on the, on Ladybird Lake downtown but it was just me and this was me finding calm, peace, and balance, and then realizing I'm still missing something, and that's this professional therapist. Let's use what I know helped me to get on the news, and let's go paddleboard 21 miles in 2010. And that became a spectacle by design that got us on the news and then the radio, and that was like, this is going to work. I went to the Secretary of State's office with my dad. I came up with the name based on the power of, of water and healing and what we set out to do and our mission to cover the cost of the therapy for families that are touched by this diagnosis. Moving forward, support from the community and from companies and individuals and sponsors is now going to make us able to take all of that mission and that goal not only do it tenfold, but also we've hired somebody to come in and own that process so that we can then say anybody that's touched by cancer 
we've been a secret little back pocket resource yeah. within the cancer community at the social worker level for so long because not everybody it was just me and then it was just you know me and chelsea hardy who was ex- helped us blow up yeah um she's our events um director and has has run our ability to raise more money with this growth we now have the opportunity to not be so private and to say let's help everybody <laughs> and what that means is now that we can own the navigation we're no longer relying on all of our partners who we've given access to our software to help everybody find therapists as of 2023 we're going to say okay none of that send everybody to us we now have a senior program director and that one person can now help people that do need us to pay for them mm-hmm. but also might be able to pay for themselves but she can triage that and say yeah. okay well here are some resources cool which means that that 3000 families that we've helped and paid is going to turn into tens of thousands over time yeah. so much quicker mm-hmm. and that's because of the support that we have from from the community to be able to do something like hire a third person yeah with three people. I think it's... It's incredible. <laughs> I'm all, we want to be lean, lean, lean. Yeah. Everybody's like, you're only three. People. I was going to say, <laughs> that, that's pretty dang lean. Yeah. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for making this happen and taking the time to talk to us and to our students. Um, trying to think of anything yeah, else. Yeah, I'd like to say, here? yeah, so the Flatwater Foundation, um, the Flatwater Foundation, I, I started this. I'm the founder and executive director in, in, in 2010. And then we, a few years in, realized... I can't do this. And we need somebody that's absolutely incredible. We put together this dream team. Chelsea Hardy um, is our senior vice president of impact and events. And now that's what we call her, but she's basically just make it happen. Like we both make it happen. People, she's an elite athlete in her past and just a champion for our our mission and our cause and one of the hardest workers you'll ever meet. And so that skill alone sets people up for success. Just drive, but, hard work, work ethic. Yeah. And then you bring in the expertise. And so we're now three people. We brought in Becky Morales, who I mentioned, Becky is a professor at UT and who has been a clinical director and also been a referral partner of ours where she was working at, she worked at Livestrong. She worked at the navigation center. Very I was going to say, I know her name very, very she worked, well. She worked at the <laughs> but I, yeah. yeah. She, she's, uh, she is the one, right? And so we set out to build a dream team. I think of this as if a company, we're in a company and you want to invest in a company, you want to know who are the people in the company. Yeah. We want people to invest in our mission via donations. And so we're trying to put together the dream team. And that's not something I generally like go out and speak about or talk about, but I want to do more of that, especially as the board, when I move to the board as a volunteer. Um, we're in the process of hiring our next ED, and that person is going to be of that same caliber because we want people to understand that, A, we are sustainable, we're investing now in people, very few people, with very powerful impact. Yeah. Um, and we hold our people to a very high standard, but we really don't have to because they hold themselves to yeah. such a high standard. So I think the organization is 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 primed to be quite successful. Um, and by the time this podcast comes out, I hope you know we have established our our our, our next leader. Yeah. Um, but I will still continue to be a leader along with our incredible board of directors that we continue to, to grow. And um, I just didn't want this conversation to end without celebrating the people that make it happen because it isn't me. I started mm-hmm. this and I do own that and I'm very proud of it, but it isn't me. Um, I am not Flatwater Foundation. It mm-hmm. is the 
100, 100, 150, eventually 300 therapists in our network. And it is all the cancer centers and people doing great work to help families that know about Flatwater that send them our way. That is Flatwater Found. We call the Flatwater family. Mm-hmm. Um, so it, it was. It's just important for me to lay lay that out there. I'm. Yep. I've been. I've been captaining this ship, and I built it. But there are people smarter than me that we're bringing on to make it even better. Super exciting. Thank you so much. You. Truly, truly, thank you for coming on and doing this. Thank you, Mark Garza, for your time and expertise. If you have questions about today's episode or ideas for a future episode, please give us an email at livestrongcancerinstitutes at delmed.utexas.edu. You can also follow our guest, Flatwater Foundation, on Twitter at Flatwater Helps, on Facebook, Flatwater Foundation. And also, if you have questions about the Livestrong Cancer Institute, please visit delmed.utexas.edu. This is Eugenio Sarabia reporting for Cancer Uncovered. Thank you for listening and learning with us.